New to Formula One? Or just as obsessed as we are? Welcome back to another episode of Formation Lab. Where we teach you all the dirty details that you need to know to be the best Formula One fan that you can be. You are live with the Hornsby sisters. I'm Katie. And I'm Megan. Today, we are going to take a look at the lawmakers and the police of Formula One, the FIA, and their name seems to always be thrown around when it comes to who did what and how it broke the rules, or at least it feels like that sometimes. They are the governing body that sets the rules and regulations and makes sure that everyone is adhering to them. So welcome to the government class of the Formation Lab. There may not be a test for you, but the FIA sure loves to test the drivers. And just like last week, Megan is back. Hey everyone, I'm so glad to be back. Again, Katie and I each took parts of the FIA and did some research and are here to present to you FIA, the government of Formula One. So, the FIA, or the Fédération Internationale de l'Automobile, is headquartered in Paris, and they are actually a nonprofit organization. And they bring together 245 international motoring and sporting organizations from 146 countries. They were founded in 1904 to bring coherent governance and, most importantly, safety to motorsport. So they're way older than Formula One, and their roots are spread throughout so many different motorsport organizations. Megan is going to fill us in. So, the FIA today has essentially two purposes. The first is to promote motorsport throughout the world, and the second is to promote safe, sustainable, and accessible transport for everyone on the road. So again, here we have sporting, and we have outside of sporting, and just generally keeping everyone as safe as they can on any road throughout any kind of transportation. So, the FIA works across three different interlinked areas that they have identified, sport, campaigns, and mobility. So we're gonna go in reverse order. In terms of mobility, the FIA works and is involved in initiatives to ensure the safe, affordable, and clean systems of transport are available to anyone who wants access to them. Keynote here, clean. There is a massive push towards sustainability inside of the FIA, which has pushed Formula One into that area as well. The second interconnected area is campaigns. Their goal is to promote safe and sustainable forms of transportation, and that has led them to establish some global sustainability initiatives and road safety initiatives. The one that is most often talked about is the FIA Action for Road Safety, which that is a global campaign to support the United Nations Decade of Action for Road Safety, which the goal of that global initiative is to reduce the amount of fatalities on the road. So here, that is the FIA's kind of work outside of the sport. Obviously, that does tie in with Formula One and other motorsports, but that's specifically geared at everyone throughout the world. The third interlinked area is sport. The FIA's goal is to provide fair, regulated, and safe motorsport activities throughout the globe. And in terms of safe, that's talking about those on the track, in the pit lanes, and fans. It's entirely around creating an event that will protect everybody involved. The FIA is currently led by Gene Tott, 
He is the current president from central France. He's actually been the president since 2009, which is incredibly impressive. He has 11 years of running the FIA. Additionally, since 2015, he has been the United Nations Secretary General Special Envoy for Road Safety. So again, we have him having his hands in both the FIA initiatives, but the UN's initiatives as well. On top of that, Jean Todd, Katie, has one of the most impressive resumes that I've ever read. So let me drop a few a few notable things that he's done. Yeah, tell me all about him. So he is a founding member and the vice president of the Brain Institute and has been since 2005. He's a board member of the International Peace Institute and has been since 2018. He's a member of the International Olympic Committee's Commission for Public Affairs and Social Development through Sport. And in his free time, he's a colonel in the Citizens Reserved of the French Jardim National. I mean, when does he the is, man sleep? Yeah, he's a busy, busy, busy man. Just a little busy. He might be busier than we are. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just about to say, I think he has more on his schedule than we do. Kind of impressive on that note, too. Um, before <laughs> he even became president of the FIA, he was very much embedded in Formula One. From 1993 to 2009, he worked for Ferrari, which led to his very close friendship with Michael Schumacher. You actually see him in the Schumacher documentary talking about Michael, not as um, a Ferrari boss, but as a true friend, which is one of the most incredible moments. And if you haven't watched it, you need to immediately go watch it. Additionally, inside of his work with Ferrari, he was the director of Ferrari's racing division. He was the head of motorsport activities at Ferrari Maserati. He was the general manager at Ferrari and then CEO of the group. On top of that, he's a former racing driver at Peugeot and a former rally car driver. So he has truthfully spent his entire life in motorsport, which has led him to his career in the FIA and really his push and desire to move motorsport in general and the world in general to be a safer place. Nice. Nice. I'm, I didn't know all of those things about him. I knew he was a pretty cool dude. I feel like you've got to be a pretty cool dude and you've got to have a really impressive resume to run the FIA, especially for all the years that he has. But that's incredible. I was honestly floored. And when I first started researching him, I was like, oh, we'll give him one sentence. And then as I was going, I was like, no, he needs a full dedicated segment because his career is just impressive. Yeah, very impressive. Okay, so I looked a little bit more into Formula One and the FIA. And in 1950, the Federation actually inaugurated the Formula One World Championship, which was the start of the global phenomenon that we know today. And in today's Formula One, the FIA operates, regulates, and educates at hundreds of events at a variety of different series. They have made a safety commitment because back in the 1960s, one in every eight events resulted in a driver being killed, which is astonishing to think about, especially since we've been fans. We've really only seen one, one major incident since we've been actively watching live. So 50 years later, the FIA is very proud of the fact that the number of accidents and deaths have decreased in Formula One. It is still dangerous. Like I was mentioning, 
the first time a lot of newer fans have seen the dangers of Formula One was Roman Grosjean's accident last year in 2020. You may have probably heard of a couple others, Senna, Lauda, but watching that live and hearing the other drivers' reactions to wanting to know who it was and if they were okay and if they were alive and then hearing their responses, I just got goosebumps, and then hearing their responses to the fact that Roman Grosjean walked out of the fire, they were so impressed and they were so blessed that he was able to do that. That is because of all of the safety initiatives that the FIA has included in the sport, especially in these past 10 years, which we've mentioned before. So all in all, they're committed to reducing and completely eradicating death and serious injury in all forms of motorsport. And Formula One has pioneered these technological advances that are transferable to our everyday life. In 2014, we saw the new we saw the new hybrid 1.6 liter turbocharged V6 power unit, which basically informed all automobile technology development for better engines in the future. And in the future, they're also committed to move to 100% sustainable fuels in the field by 2025 and 2026. And their advancements in that will allow for advancements in sustainable fuel for everyone. I think it's pretty amazing when you think about, you know, Formula One could potentially transition to completely sustainable fuel in five years. And then another five years later, let's say 2030, the advancements in motorsport, specifically Formula One, could translate to advancements on road cars. And to me, that is one of the the small little aspects of Formula One you don't hear about, but it happens behind the scenes, which just makes it incredible to me. Yeah, the, the more you learn, the more you fall in love. you can't help it no we can't okay so what do they actually do the fia puts out the official rules and regulations for the season and they put out all the official documents pertaining to the race weekend and they also appoint the stewards for the race which is what megan researched yes so i i'd like to point out that i don't think it's purely coincidence that i was put in charge of supervision (laughs) in terms of race weekend No, because she supervises me. (laughs) Still to this day. Um, So yes, like Katie said, the stewards are essentially what I would call the supervisors of race weekend. Um, Essentially, they are the ones actually informing and making the decisions or rulings on any incident. So stewards are appointed by the FIA and the local affiliated associations that have ties to the FIA. The goal of the stewards is to see that the race is conducted per the regulations of the FIA. If there is a violation of those regulations, if there is an issue, the FIA is actually in charge of reprimanding. Most reprimands come in penalties that we've talked about many times. It's either penalties in terms of time or penalties in terms of grid or penalties in terms of where you start, potentially in the pit lane if you break Park for May rules. So what do the stewards actually do? Personally, I imagine that the stewards sit in a room with just TVs everywhere and computer screens and all they're doing is consuming massive amounts of data. That data comes in forms of hundreds of cameras. I can't imagine how many camera angles they have. The team's live radio and 
live data coming off of each of the car's sensors. So in my mind, they're consuming so much and they're just like looking around panicked at all of the stuff. But in reality, they're consuming it and understanding all of it, which is incredible to me. For us Americans who are like, what do the stewards actually do? They're essentially like the umpire, the referee of the event. And just like in the United States and probably all throughout the world, I've seen a couple of European soccer matches. It is often always the umpire or the referee that gets the brunt of the criticism because they have helped one team in making a decision while hurting another team in making that same decision. So their jobs are pretty thankless. Um, and they are the ones that faced a whole host of criticism and just have to deal with generally everyone being displeased at them, no matter what they do, even if it is just enacting the FIA's rules. So, yeah, even if it's like completely by the books and what's written in the rules, they're still getting nailed at. 100%. Absolutely thankless. So I have to drop in there that we should probably all thank the stewards for keeping everyone safe and keeping the race fair but their jobs probably suck (laughs) so katie why don't you fill us in on what happens in race control yeah so you might be wondering what race control even is and it's the monitoring and supervising the practice and the qualifying sessions and the race with the purpose of making sure that everything's actually happening by the book and according to the fia's rules and regulations And a big part of that, again, is safety. I think when you think about the FIA, one of your buzzwords you should immediately think about is safety. So who is in the race control? I like to think they're in like this little spaceship orb and they're controlling everything. You went with a spaceship and I went with a room with computers that they're just like frantically looking at. (laughs) I think the spaceship does have the computers and they're frantically looking at. Actually, that's probably right. Let's go with that. (laughs) Let's go with that. So the race director is a permanent appointee of the FIA, and he's like the ultimate authority. He is God in the world of the FIA, and he decides the conduct during practice, qualifiers, and the race. He can decide on red flag, safety flag, or a virtual safety car, and it's currently Michael Massey, and he's been in this position since 2019. Then we have all of the staff the race director staff, and their job is to just keep the race safe. They work on legal things and they work on time as well because the race has to be under two hours or under three hours with red flags and yellow flags. The race clerk is the middle point person between the marshals, track workers, and race director, and they are the focal point of race control. They are also appointed by a local national governing body that is affiliated with the FIA. It is currently Christian Brill, and he assumed the position at the 2019 Bahrain GP. Following that, we have a permanent starter, which is a permanent appointee and manages the lights out starting procedure. So when we hear lights out and away we go, there's one person in charge of that. He's basically in charge of making sure that all of the cars are at a standstill before the race begins. And finally, we have the cops of the race, which are the stewards. And there are four in total, and every race weekend, there is a new panel that's appointed. And their job is to elaborate on the events that happen on the race course and make decisions based on the rules and regulations due, rules and regulations in the FIA sporting code. Their names are not public knowledge, but they are chosen from experienced motorsport officials and staff. 
one of the three gets nominated as the chairman of the panel, and the fourth steward is appointed by the local national governing body. One of them will always have previous racing experience to provide the driver's perspective, and all of them must hold an FIA super license, which is not the same as a driver's super license. Now we are going to talk about our favorite moments that have been taken to the stores, and I'll let Megan go first because I think mine might just be slightly better. I don't know. I think mine's pretty great, and I really don't remember this happening. This is well before I was, like, actively watching in the sport. So I've watched the videos, and it's arguably the funniest thing. So we're going to take it back to 2019. We have Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, Canadian Grand Prix, Vettel is in the lead. He's defending against Lewis, who is behind him. Vettel goes into turn four with some oversteer, goes off the track onto the grass. As Vettel rejoins the track, Hamilton protests that he was obstructed and pushed off the track by Vettel returning to the track. The stewards investigate. Viewers, former drivers are all commenting. They're saying it looks like a racing incident. What happens is, is the stewards award Sebastian with a five-second penalty. Hamilton essentially just had to stay within five seconds of Sebastian and he would win the race. He didn't have to overtake him. He didn't have to do anything. All he had to do was stay within five seconds of following him, which Lewis did. So then crosses the line, Vettel's first, Lewis is in second, five-second penalty. That means that Sebastian has the line up second even though he passes it first i'm laughing because this is the great part so of course sebastian <laughs> parks his car you know in front of the signs that say like one two three gets out and what does he do he switches the sign he moves the first place from in front of lewis's car to in front of his car in front of everybody and the fans just like loved it they like were going crazy people online were going crazy and I like I literally can barely get through the story because I feel like this is just the perfect Sebastian Vettel being like, that's annoying. I don't like that. This is how I will fix it. I'm not going to do anything crazy. I'm just going to move the signs. <laughs> it's like the perfect amount of piss Sebastian Vettel. Like you'll never see him more angry than that in public. Like he's like, I'm just going to like, I'm just going to show I'm angry. It's very <laughs> passive aggressive, honestly, which... It's incredibly passive-aggressive, and it's just so perfect. I don't know if we stand passive-aggressiveness, but we're used to it. (laughs) I'm so, like, I could not even get through that story without laughing, because to me, it's so amazing. Okay, well, I've got got one. Like, you just moved the sides. I've got one that'll make you laugh. So mine happened this year in Silverstone, and I'm I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. (laughs) I know where she's going. Yeah. (laughs) So... Let me set the scene. It's the first lap of Silverstone. And Max and Lewis make contact. It sends Max off the track into the barriers. And he eventually goes to the hospital to get checked out, right? So then while he's, you know, the safety car's coming out. He's getting in the ambulance. He's being taken away. He's giving us a wave. He's okay. We know he's all right. We see, we actually hear, Toto Wolf over the radio to the FIA because they can they can talk to the FIA during the race. He's like, Michael, I just sent you an email. And there's diagrams with where the car should have been. Have you received that? 
because they're basically debating on is this a racing incident <laughs> is this lewis's fault is this max's fault and mercedes obviously is trying to defend lewis hamilton and red bull's over here trying to defend max verstappen and michael responds to toto toto I don't access my emails during the race because I actually like to concentrate on the race that's happening. (laughs) (laughs) And Toto came back and responded with, maybe you should look at this because there's something with the rules. I'm coming up. (laughs) So immediately it's just like, you know what? F the email. I'm just going to come up and talk to the stewards. And this actually ended with Lewis Hamilton being handed the 10-second penalty. And he would go on to pass Charles Leclerc on the second to last lap and take home the victory. And after the race, there were all these questions about whether or not it was fair. But the, the honest-to-God highlight of the race was, Michael, I just sent you an email. The best is that, like, after the race, we've come to find out that allegedly he had sent multiple emails. Multiple. And I swear I'm going to need a clarification on how many emails because I just imagine the total wolf banging on the desk, but instead of banging him, like, angrily typing. He's, like, banging on the keyboard. (laughs) And he's drawing. I bet he whips out his iPad or Microsoft (laughs) or whatever, and he's, like, drawing the diagrams because there was this huge debate about, like, who was in the right position, who was in the wrong position, and he just immediately had these diagrams ready to go and emailed off. So, who knows? Did he, like, pull out a napkin and he's like, oh, that was from coffee this morning, let me get this down real quick and send you a picture. Was it a digital diagram or was it a scribble on a piece of paper? I need to know. I like, need Toto, if you're listening, you should be. Please let us know how many emails and can we get a copy of the diagram? Yeah. Could you <laughs> go, just go ahead and forward us all those emails? Michael Massey or Toto Wolf, like, go ahead, email us. I'm I'm willing to be BCC'd. Like, you can blind carbon copy me. Like, I don't need to have my name on it. I just want to know. <laughs> I just, I need to know how many emails were sent. <laughs> I like mine better, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I'll give it to you. I am so happy that you joined us to talk about the governing body of Formula One because she did really well in AP government, a lot better than I did. <laughs> and it basically helped us to better understand the FIA, which is important because it allows for race weekend commentary to make more sense, especially when it comes to conflict on the track or questions about legal, illegal components, or just simply which flags they're throwing up. And over the next couple of years, the FIA is going to hopefully make some incredible leaps in technology to allow Formula One and other motorsports to become more sustainable and more safe. I am so excited to see what happens and will be watching critically in their efforts to make the sport more accessible to all and considerate of global environmental impacts. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us at Dirty Driving Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, stay dirty.